Sunset Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday, Simpoesi, streaming to you from the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. My name is Ira and I'm just starting a call to performance maker Aslam Abdus Samad to talk about his latest work, I Can't Sleep, which will be showing at East Sydney Community and Arts Centre as part of the March Dance Festival on the 17th and 18th of March. Aslam, do we have you on the line? Yes, hello. Hello. Good morning. And where are we finding you this morning? What surrounds you as you speak to us? What are you looking at? I am in my living room, sitting on the sofa while my puppy dog is laying up next to me. Oh, what kind of dog? What kind of breed are we talking about? Oh, she she is two and a half years old. She is a red healer cross staffy. So she has a lot of energy. If at any point you hear some weird breathing, that's her licking my ears. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the the first dog you are having or have you grown up with animals? No, this is this is the first dog I've ever had. So we didn't have any pets growing up. Mm-hmm. So I always, always wanted a dog. Um, but because I work a lot, I was like, oh, well, I need to get like a rescue or a dog that's comfortable being alone because I can't get a newborn puppy. Yeah. So, so I rescued her when she was nine months old. And is she the reason you can't sleep? <laughs> <laughs> She's the reason I can't sleep in. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every morning at about, well, she's meant to get out of bed at 7 a.m. That's breakfast time. But at about 6.30 every morning, I just feel these whiskers on my face. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she licks me awake. Mm, well, not a bad way to get up, I suppose. Better than the shock of the alarm. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, instead just a tongue on the cheek. It's... Yeah, that's, that sounds pretty pleasant. Um, you know, and, and were you a morning kind of person before you got her? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I'm usually up at about 7 or 7.30 anyway. Mm-hmm. So getting up at 7 for her isn't a big adjustment. It yeah. just means that, for example, if I have had a bad night's sleep, I still have to get up at 7 a.m. Right. And how often do you have a bad night's sleep? Uh, it comes and goes. Um, uh, sometimes, um, oh, gosh. Uh, sometimes it lasts for like a week or so, and then I'll get like uh, a couple of days or couple of weeks of good sleep um but yeah come and goes and it's been an issue since I was a teenager mm-hmm. um actually like I remember I remember conversations with my mom at one in the morning because she was a bit of a night owl uh I'd get out of bed and I'd walk into my mom's room and be like I can't sleep and you know she'd tell me all these things to try and get me to go back to sleep but you know then I'd get four hours sleep and have to go to school so mm. It's been uh, something, something I've had to deal with for a while. Mm. Uh, never, never thought about investigating it through a movement work. Uh, pros and cons to that. It means, uh, it means that now every time I can't sleep, I'm like, oh no, I can't sleep. Can I use this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't help. <laughs> With sleeping, yeah. 
It wouldn't. <laughs> so do you do you think, given that you mentioned that your mom also is a night owl, do you see this condition as something that's genetic in your experience, or uh, is it caused by your you know personality that's maybe more dreamy <laughs> and restless? Uh, I think it's more the latter. So whilst mum would stay up late, she would then also sleep through until midday. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so she found her balance. Uh, but I'm I'm not very good at sleeping in. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I think it's more to do with um, restlessness, overactive mind, um, you know, People often tell me they like to read a book before going to bed. They find it quite relaxing. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, and I think a lot of people have, can relate, it's just, it's actually too stimulating. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a chronic overthinker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can relate. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, part of the show, uh, I've written down a list of what are some of the random thoughts that have kept me up at length. Uh, kept me up at night, one of which is just like, I haven't seen my passport for a while. I should go. <laughs> I should go check on it. <laughs> right. So it could go from as absurd to that to you know more anxiety driven, mm. um, obsessive thoughts as well. So it's got a range, <laughs> and um, you know things like daydreaming at nighttime. Uh -huh. sometimes keeps keeps you up yeah. yeah yeah so so the show uh we are talking about is called i can't sleep uh obviously <laughs> and yeah. uh it's uh uh developed by our guest uh, today on eastside fm uh, aslam abdus samad whose voice you're just hearing and this show will be showing as part of the march dance festival 17th and 18th of march you just mentioned that there is a text in the work. However, the work is being described as a performance installation. And for those who might not be as familiar with this genre of uh, performance installation, can you speak to that a bit more? How would you um, describe the work? What can we expect when we come into the space? Yeah, so I would describe this work as uh, an interdisciplinary movement piece. So it's often described as performance installation because it tends to fix itself around like a few set pieces and then um, the performance sort of explores the body in relation to those pieces in relation to, for example, multimedia that I'm bringing in. So this work is non-narrative based. Um, I describe it more as impressionistic. So I'm very interested in using the body, using text and using multimedia as a way to explore the sensation of sleeplessness and the things that it can bring up and that you can discover in that space. Mm. So, What are you you're... discovering in this space? I'm curious, what are some of the discoveries we are talking about? <laughs> well, one of the questions that I had coming into this work was... Um, you know, I, I was reflecting on my own personal mythologies and experiences and folklore that I'd heard or remedies about sleeplessness and getting to sleep or things that might be keeping you up. And the main line of inquiry for me is was, I wonder if any of my experiences are related somehow 
to existing mythology or folklore? Is there a connection between the two? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would it mean for me to try and write sort of a, a personalized mythology that weaves between my own and existing stuff so that it blurs that line a little bit? And then the question is, well, how do we also embody that experience? So we're finding a lot of really interesting dualities between image that's created in text and folklore and image that the body can create Mm -hmm. Uh, and trying to explore, I guess, the the combination of the two. Uh, And some interesting things that are coming up are things to do with rhythm, for example. So um, one of the things when you're in this sort of sleepless state is, you know, reality and imagination can start to blend a little bit. And sometimes that has an impact on your body. So the most specific example I can give you is, you know, when you're starting to get to sleep and you sort of have this daydream, like you're walking along, um, and then you miss a step, but then your body physically actually jerks as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love, yeah, love so those, it's, it's so weird, yeah, but yeah, 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 go on. Those, those, those are actually called um, hypnic jerks. So they're a studied phenomena. No one actually knows um, what causes them, but unless they're um, persistent or disruptive or violent then they're considered relatively benign Mm -hmm. so for me that's a real tangible example of how imagination and the body collide during sleeplessness um someone also shared with me a myth that they were told um so the other night when i was um half asleep uh my dog sleeps in my bed with me Uh, And I must have just shifted uh, while I was sleeping because my hand then touched her. Uh, But in my dream, I had this entire narrative that led up to someone ripping something out of my hand. Mm -hmm. So when I physically touched her, it jerked me awake, like really suddenly. Um, And I was telling my friend about it. And she said that in certain belief systems, what I'm... Uh, sleeplessness and dreams is actually a form of time travel Mm -hmm. because if you think about it the way that your body receives information in this example is the physical touch would actually come first and then the imagination and the mind retrofits a narrative so that Mm -hmm. in your experience it feels like you've had this journey to get to whatever this moment is Um, Whereas actually you've had a physical touch first and your mind has retroactively built a narrative into that. So in some some beliefs, they call it a form of time travel, which is interesting. Mm. And uh, I'm now teasing two questions in my head. Don't know which direction to take. I'll take this one. Um, Do you (laughs) are you a big dreamer? Meaning uh, actual dreamer, are you somebody who dreams really actively as well when you sleep, when you actually can sleep? Yeah, yeah. So big dreamer uh, and very detailed, so very vivid. Um, And in fact, a lot of my dreams tend to be episodic. So sometimes I'll be having a dream and I'm, uh, I'm like, oh, I remember actually 
right before this, I uh, like a couple months ago, I dreamed everything up until this point, and now we're continuing that. Um, so sometimes, yeah, it's like picking up from where a dream left off and then continuing. Or, um, you know, a lot of people talk about repetitive themes that come up in dreams. Like some people have like water or flying or things like that. Um, one of my repetitive dreams is people hunting me. <laughs> but it's it's become so common that I can't really call it a nightmare anymore because it mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't scare me. Yeah. Um, but I am being hunted down by people, and that's like a common dream. That's so uh, metaphoric, how we get used to our conditions that they don't scare us anymore, but they should. <laughs> they should. I know. It's, I'm, I'm know. just waiting for someone with some experience in dream interpretation to be like, hey, Aslam, have you perhaps considered that that's not great? <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's what we do in life with many things that we just get adjusted to and accept them as, as norms, but you know. Once upon a time, there were shocks, probably. Well, that's um, it. Yeah, we adapt and we continue making all these little adaptations until we're so far from what was actually considered a healthy base that we don't even notice. Yeah. And speaking about healthy base, that's actually taking me to the other question that I had. Uh, given Perfect. that you, um, <laughs> yeah, Given that you're talking about a certain belief system, mythologies, folklore around sleeplessness, I was curious whether you have got, uh, done an extensive research into sleeplessness and whether sleeplessness is something that emerged as a modern condition, like after uh, Industrial Revolution or were people, you know, in the past sleepless as well? You know, is, is it condition of a modern time? Uh, there's, been, there's been some research to suggest that sleeplessness uh, has become more prominent in modern times, for sure. Um, you know, there's... Um, with the advent of the internet and <clears throat> smartphones and things like that, we just have a lot of in information and stimulus at our fingertips that can interrupt our sleep rhythms. Um, so part of the research, not only am I, have I been looking into folklore and mythology, but actual scientific myths around sleep as well. You know, things like, oh, a blue light will interrupt your sleep or watching videos will interrupt your sleep, those things. So to answer your question, uh, no, it, from what I can gather, it's not a modern phenomenon, but it has uh, certainly become more prominent uh, in modern history, sleeplessness. Um, but I've got, yeah, I, I have done a lot of research around certain myths and folklore and urban legends as well, where the um, origins of them are a bit shaky, but they date back a long time, mm. a lot of this stuff. Mm. Um, it's also interesting because one of the things about the research, the first sort of roadblock that I came up against was there's a lot of myth and mythology around sleep and like sleep demons or sleep paralysis and dreams and things like that. But I'm interested in just before that. So before you actually get to sleep, mm -hmm. what's in that sleepless state? And actually the mythology around that has been a bit harder to find. 
Um, so we've sort of divided into other avenues as well, like remedies to help you get to sleep or urban myths that suggest why you are having a hard time sleeping, things like that. Mm. And what about uh, in terms of different cultures? Is there any difference that you have discovered between cultures? You know, are we in the West more restless, therefore more sleepless? Uh, do other cultures have better strategies to relax? Like, you know, uh, in Hinduism, you meditate or follow your breath or, you know, and you do that, you know, in school, you learn how to do that. Mm. So I'm just wondering whether there is any difference between cultures around sleep. There's certainly a difference, but I, I wouldn't be in any sort of position to say if one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely different approaches. So I guess uh, a really clear example is, for example, Feng Shui comes up a lot uh, in the research when it comes to sleeplessness. One of them, there's like two that we probably already know, don't sleep with a mirror at the end of your bed. Um, because if you do that, the mirror will duplicate uh, your misfortune or your good fortune. So that's a feng shui principle. There's another one um, that says your bed must move in the same direction as your floorboards, otherwise it will give you bad sleep. Mm. So then we move on to, for example, some uh, Northern European mythology where they're talking about certain plant concoctions so like a concoction of vervain and dill is said to ward off witches that will um come for you if you're still awake um things like um they're actually one of my favorite myths uh and this one is actually real so this is a very real practice from northern europe uh it's called the hand of glory um So it was believed that if you took the hand of a hanged man and turned it into a candle and then you lit that candle, everyone in the house would fall asleep. Uh, and the only way to put it out would be to extinguish it using milk. Oh. Yeah. Have you so, tried it? No, I don't <laughs> happen to have the hand of a hanged man handy. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but the thing, like, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm interested in the crossover between the existing mythology and my own. So I guess, you know, one of the things we would have been told, light a scented candle to help you relax, right? That doesn't work because uh, you might burn the house. I would pay. It corona. doesn't work. I find it incredibly anxious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not lighting a candle. What if it burns down my curtains? Yeah. But you can, you can get like those safe candles that are like, anyway, but um, immediately there, like the image of lighting a candle, be it scented or like a pickled hand, like there's immediately a crossover. Mm. Um, a tenuous one. Uh, but a connection all the same. So that that sort of meeting of two myths 
is where I'm interested in exploring for this work. Mm. So the work we are talking about is called I Can't Sleep and you're on ESED Radio 89.7 FM. We are talking to performance maker Aslam Abdu Samad. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Can you pronounce your name, please, just to, <laughs> <laughs> to make sure? You're actually saying it perfectly. Oh. Aslam Abdu Samad. Yeah, Excellent. you're nailing it. Well done, me. Uh, who is one of the artists represented in the March Dance program, and you will be able to see and experience his latest work called I Can't Sleep at uh, East Sydney Community and Arts Centre on March 17th and 18th. So, Aslam, uh, one of the things that I have read in your biography, researching you on the website, is that you are a cross-disciplinary performance artist, and this work is, as you said, interdisciplinary. Uh, so I'm curious, which are all these disciplines that you are crossing or employing in your work? And also, is there one that feels more central to you, one where you feel more at home than others? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say my movement practice uh, feels the most at home. So I come from a physical theatre performing background, uh, which has led into devising practice. So I'd say movement-based work is where I feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of my practice in a larger context, so I'm also, a, I guess, quote-unquote traditional actor. I've been actor-trained. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a writer and I do a bit of visual arts using usually video-based visual arts. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so in this particular piece, we'll be working with um, movement, text and projection, uh, the three disciplines that we'll be crossing over. Mm-hmm. And another thing that intrigued me reading your biography is that you have trained with something called Zen Zenzo Physical Theatre. And so this word Zen in the physical theatre uh, got my attention. Uh, is is there actual like Zen as a practice within this theatre form? Or? I, so Zen Zenzo is the name of the company. They're based in Queensland. Uh-huh. Um, they're... <clears throat> their company translates to uh, never the elephant. There's there's an interesting story behind that, but you can you can get into contact with the company. Okay. Um, Zen Physical Theatre introduced me to two forms of training um, that I still use as a foundation in my practice, and one of those is the Suzuki method of actor mm-hmm. training, yep. which originates from Japan. Yep. And the other one is Viewpoints, uh, which is um, Anne Bogart, but also actually originates from a dancer called Mary Overly. So I've been practicing both of these two disciplines since I was just a fresh little artist way back in 2007. (laughs) A while now. and that's actually a really good example of um, disciplines from different cultures working together in a complementary way. So um, they both have certain sets of rules and structures and disciplines, but they approach them differently. And it's the combination of the two practices that make that work very helpful uh, for me as a performer and divisor. And in fact, it uh, kick-started my interest in uh learning wide 
So I, I describe my background as a bit of an eclectic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the kind of artist who believes um, always follow your thread of interest, even if it doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. as a result of that, I've managed to uh, move around to all different parts of the world and pick up skills uh, and concepts and ways of thinking and approaching body-based work that I just wouldn't have been able to do if I stuck to one discipline or one one particular practice. I think there's um, something to be said with finding ways that different practices can speak to each other. Absolutely. I mean, these categories are only invented by us, these you know, divisions. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And um, a lot of people are very quick to try and figure out what category you're in yeah. so that they have clear reference points, which makes sense. But for someone like me who's done a lot of different things and sort of synthesized my own practice out of that, it's kind of hard to say I'm this or that. So physical theatre tends to tends to cover it the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I understand the struggle of needing to put yourself in the box, especially for funding and all those things that um, mm. yeah, create that pressure. Another question I had in uh, relationship to this work, uh, I can't sleep. So on the Brand X site, it is described as a dreamy performance. So I was curious whether that means that the audience will be tempted to fall asleep as we are experiencing <laughs> it. And obviously, this is normally something that is to be avoided. You can't... You know, you don't want your audience to fall asleep, but maybe you are deliberately teasing the possibility of us falling asleep. <laughs> I hope you don't fall asleep. Okay. But what that's alluding to is I'm exploring the sensations that come up in this space of sleeplessness. It's a middle ground for a lot of things. It's the middle ground between awake and asleep. It's the middle ground between restful and restless. Uh, and it's the middle ground between imagination and reality. So what I'm trying to do is excavate the certain vibes and sensations that can come from this liminal space, one of which is a dream state. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely in there. Um, time is something that warps in an interesting way when you're in this space. Um, <clears throat> hence, that can create a sort of dream-like quality. Uh, but it's not all that. If the whole thing felt like a lullaby, I don't think it would make a very um, engaging piece of work. Mm-hmm. It would be more like a meditation. And if you wanted to meditate, you'd go to yoga. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so we're exploring a bunch of different tones that come up. Um, it would be very easy to lean into... You know, a lot of sleeplessness tends to connect to anxiety or concerns or stress. It would be very easy to make this a show about that. But then it sort of acknowledges that it can also be quite absurd. Uh, it can be quite ridiculous, this dr- dreamy state. You can think up the most random things that make you laugh. Like I keep a notebook next to my bed because sometimes I get the funniest things that just pop into my head that I have to write them down. Um, yeah, so and that, say we're exploring. Would, that would keep you awake as well if you're putting light on all the time to put something down. Here's the thing, though. Yes and no. 
Um, yes, the light is an issue. However, one of the things that I discovered recently on my research is, um, well, hold on, a bit of backstory. So this show started, uh, the idea first started back in 2020 during lockdown. I was having, as I'm sure a lot of people were, a hard time sleeping. Uh, and I ended up getting into this routine of when I couldn't sleep, I would get up, move into my studio, film a very small movement piece, edit it, post it online, and then I would be able to fall asleep. Mm. So it was almost as if this creative act purged me of my restlessness, uh, and it became like an offering to whoever it was keeping me away from falling asleep. Um, and since then, I've actually found that the, there is scientific backing behind that. So they, obviously, when it comes to these sort of statements I'm about to make, there's always exceptions to the rules. But um, they suggest, the science suggests that um, if you're having a hard time sleeping after about 20 minutes, it's actually good for you to get up, go and do something relaxing uh, in dim light, mm. uh, and then take yourself back to bed uh, because you don't want to be associating your bed with frustration, otherwise that will continue to fester. Mm. Uh, but then the small act helps you relax. So it's interesting that this show actually started from me essentially doing a version of that, going off and doing something that I found relaxing in this case, like a 30 second movement video and then I was able to sleep again mm. well that's something that we've learned today thank you so much Aslam for taking time uh, to be with us on Eastside Radio this morning uh, so where do we go to buy tickets for your show I Can't Sleep on March 17th and 18th where to buy tickets yep. you can jump <laughs> you can jump onto the March dance website uh, where you can see me under the performance section. You can also head over to Brand X, uh, the Brand X website, where the show is also curated into their season called The Flying Nun, which is a season of experimental works. Mm. Um, alternatively, you are welcome to uh, follow me on social media, if you like, where I'm constantly posting some behind-the-scenes pictures and videos uh, about the work. And I'll take us out today with a track that you have chosen for us. And this one is by Brian Eno and somebody else whose name I can't pronounce. I'll let you do that. But can you tell us a bit about this track? It's called Epica Extension. You said that it inspires you in your work. Yeah. So I'm just bringing up the name of the other artist so that I can actually name him for everyone. Uh, Jean-Michel Jarre and Brian Eno have done this one. So when I work, I tend to um, just start off with a lot of improvisations and part of that is uh, putting on background music. And I stumbled across this track um, and it's actually become a reference track for one of the key scenes in the work. Uh, and I like the quality of this piece because it's got um, a very clear build of rhythm uh, but then it also begins to glitch out a little bit uh, as it goes. And then towards the end, it has a little bit of a rest. And you can actually hear there's like a tick-tock uh, ticking in the background towards the end of the track. So it reminded me of time. Uh, I also find this piece quite uh, energetic 
uh, and it just implores me to move to it. So that's why that's why it's become a bit of a, a good one to set the tone. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing uh, I Can't Sleep on the 17th and 18th. Thank you so much. This is a lovely chat. Isa Radio 89.7 FM. Mm-hmm.